Joe, what kind of music should you listen to while fishing? I don't know, Seema. What kind of music should I be listening to when I'm fishing? How about something catchy? Oh, hey, Samantha. What do you call a fish who helps you build a company? I don't know, Joe. A co-flounder. Oh. <laughs> I don't think the flounder I caught today was very happy with me. Oh, really? Why is, why is that? He was looking at me kind of sideways. Oh, <laughs> hey, we're all talking about winter flounder tonight. A really awesome fish found along the Jersey Shore on this episode of Save Coast to Wildlife. The, the Podcast! Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Same in the bay, what will we find today? That is everyone we're so happy that you're here on this edition of save coast wildlife the podcast you're all so awesome to listen to us talk about coast wildlife along the famous jersey shore i hope you're discovering that there's a tremendous amount of biodiversity along our coastline and we are recording this podcast tonight towards the end of february and that means that winter is nearly over can you believe it ladies thank goodness yeah, thank goodness i think that's been kind of mild this winter i'm really getting sick of winter at this point in time as i always do towards the end of February. I'm so looking forward to spring. But you know, just because winter is almost over, that doesn't mean that all the winter critters just magically disappear. It's not like there's a two-lane highway in the water where all the fish are coming and going all the time. Winter flounder, either the adults or the juveniles, can be found nearly all year along the Jersey Shore. Did you guys know that? No. <laughs> I recently found that out that there are summer flounder and winter flounder. Really? Yeah, that's true. There is uh, there's many types of flounder that you could find along the Jersey Shore. Uh, yellowtail flounder, sometimes even summer flounder. Um, but there is um, um, or southern flounder, I should say. There is more common along the Jersey Shore. Summer flounder or fluke, and then winter flounder. Do you know the difference? Do you know you can tell the difference between the two? I also recently found out how to tell the difference between the two. So you can remember it, because summer flounder, they got left behind. Oh. They have to go to summer school, so oh. they look left. Oh. <laughs> you, you do realize the joke portion is over of the podcast, oh, right? sorry, Joe. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. There is, uh, people often get confused between the summer flounder Flounder, often also called fluke, and the winter flounder. And there's an easy way. Most people um, just go by like where the mouth is located, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, but that's it's really confusing, especially if you want to try to identify the fish fast. Um, the easiest way is just not by the where the mouth is located, but the size of the mouth. So for winter flounder, they have a small mouth. And for the summer flounder or fluke, it has a large mouth with teeth. So that's really the best way. In fact, their mouth for the fluke is so large, it goes past the corners of their mouth, go past the eyeballs of the fish. Where the winter flounder, their mouth is really small. So that's the easiest way that I figured out that you could tell the difference between the two fish for winter flounder and summer flounder or fluke. 
So I have a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's so cool about the flounder that we're So you might be today? asking yourself right about now, what is so amazing about winter flounder that we're devoting an entire podcast to this flatfish? Well, winter flounder is also known as flatfish, black back flounder, George's bank flounder, rough flounder, just plain flounder, or mud dab, sole, gray sole, or lemon sole. The many names of this fish shows you just how popular and abundant this fish was at one time along the northwest Atlantic coast for people to survive on. So with a name like Winter Flounder or George's Bank Flounder, George's Bank, of course, being a large shoal area located between Cape Cod, Massachusetts and Cape Sable Island, Nova Scotia, it's not difficult to figure out this fish loves cold water. Winter Flounders are supreme cold water fish. In fact, they not only thrive in cold water, this fish even spawns in cold water. When waters are normally ice cold during the winter and spring as early as December in North Carolina and as late as June in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, Canada. This fish is spawning and this fish loves cold water. But now the population of winter flounder is in decline in some places, including right here along the Jersey Shore. So why is that? Well, the winter flounder population we experience today is just a small, very small fraction of what it used to be, especially during the 1970s and early 1980s. Winter flounder once supported a massive recreational and commercial fishing industry along the Northeast, and the species started to decline around 1984. Right when that book uh, was, everybody was reading that book, 1984. Remember that? I remember. You remember 1984, right, Samantha? Yeah, there's definitely a correlation yeah. between. When were you born? 93. 93. <laughs> you know what year I was born? 84. <laughs> Ooh, 43. So, uh, he just made his week. <laughs> yeah. The species started declining around 1984, largely due to overfishing. Nowadays, winter flounder is highly regulated aquatic species that's largely managed by the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission, the ASMFC, and also by various states as well, too. But it's really the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission that sets the rules that the other uh, states have to follow more or less. In New Jersey, there are strict regulations on fishing for winter flounder due to a sharply diminished population. Fishing for winter flounder is just really hard to do nowadays. It's not as easy as it used to be like in 1984. The situation is similar in nearby coastal states, except in Rhode Island, where in Nagasset Bay, am I pronouncing that correctly? Narragansett? Narragansett, thank you is closed to winter flounder fishing due to a severely, severely reduced population. It's just really hard to get uh, to find any winter flounder in Nangasset Bay. Now, there are three management stocks of winter flounder in waters of the United States. Anybody know what those three stocks are for winter flounder along the uh, coastline here in the Northeast? Well, I'm going to guess the Georgia's Bank. Oh, uh, that's a really that good guess. Absolutely. So it's the Gulf of Maine. And everybody knows where the Gulf of Maine is located, right? There's George's Bank. Everybody know where George's Bank is located? I don't. So, yeah, the George's Bank uh, is located between Cape Cod, Massachusetts and Cape Sable Island, Nova Scotia. Somewhere in there is just this large sort of sandy area, like a sandbar, but sort of like deep, deep in water, a little bit. 
And then southern New England, the Mid-Atlantic area, that's another uh, management area for winter flounder. So the three, once again, are the Gulf of Maine, George's Bank, and southern New England in Mid-Atlantic. Those are the three management areas for winter flounder. Now, who do you think, out of those three, which one do you think is doing the best? Where do you think you could find the most winter flounder? The Gulf of Maine, George's Bank, or southern New England slash Mid-Atlantic? Well, let me ask you an easy one. Where do you think is the worst stock? so quiet here in Long Branch, New Jersey. I would say maybe in the Gulf of Maine. Is what? The best or the worst? Um, probably the worst. And what about you? What's your name? <laughs> Seema. I was thinking Southern New England would be the worst. Yeah, so that's right. Good guess. So Southern New England, Mid-Atlantic is where the worst population for winter flounders taking place. George's Bank is actually the best, uh, where the best is taking place. The, The highest levels of winter flounder can be found along George's Bank. So populations for winter flounder seem stagnant or in decline in Southern New England and the Mid-Atlantic. And the Gulf of Maine stock, it's the smallest of the three, but scientists have been really unable to determine a current estimate for winter flounder stock in the Gulf of Maine. They just have a hard time really figuring out what exactly is the population in the Gulf of Maine. Maybe due to overfishing, maybe they just can't find any, maybe they don't know where it's spawning. Just a lot of question marks when it comes to winter flounder in the Gulf of Maine area. And the Georges Bank population, again, located between Cape Cod, Massachusetts and Cape Sable Island, Nova Scotia has been increasing since 2005 and is not subject to overfishing. So here's the big question. Why is the Georges Bank location of winter flounder doing the best? Maybe there's less of a human population over there? Well, yeah, less human population, less water pollution. Um, And so, you know, and probably just the water's cleaner over there, not as much pressure on uh, recreational fishing over there. So that population is doing better um, than all the others. Not fantastic, but it's just doing better than all the others. So the reasons for the decline of winter flounder in all the other places, southern New England, mid-Atlantic, right here along the Jersey Shore, are really sort of unclear itself too. Scientists really haven't had a good idea of what's causing the decline of winter flounder. Perhaps we can blame in part hungry bluefish that eat just about anything they find. Some fishermen blame bluefish. Um, because they're just voracious eaters and just eat anything. And so maybe they're eating up juvenile uh, winter flounder or the adults. Uh, Or maybe we can blame recreational people that fish that tend to keep a big fish, which tend to be pregnant or adult females. Um, We just don't really know. And while this and other things almost certainly have parts to play, I think we could also put the blame on global warming and water pollution. Global warming is just having a huge impact, I think, on populations of winter flounder. And I'm not alone. Jason uh, McAneve, M-C-N-A-M-E-E, Chief of Marine Resources Management for the Rhode Island Department of Environmental Management, suggests that many young fish are not surviving to adulthood. It could be lower amounts of dissolved oxygen in the water due to polluted water from too many nutrients entering waterways and the watershed as runoff made worse by warmer waters. Surface waters in Nagasset Bay, I pronounced that correctly? I think it's Narragansett. Narragansett Bay increased between 2.5 and 2.9 degrees Fahrenheit between 1960 and 2012. McAnee also states that another reason might be from 
predators expanding their seasonal reach due to the lack of long-term ice forming in estuaries during the wintertime from an increase in air temperatures possibly caused by the effects of global warming. What was the temperature today here? It is the end of February, the last Monday in February. What was the temperature today? Over here in Long Branch, I think we got to 57. Yeah, like 57, 58 degrees. That is amazing. And I remember back in January, it was like 65, close to 70 degrees one weekend. It was so warm. And really, that's been the story all winter long here. It's been so mild. Maybe not 60 degree weather, but certainly 40s, 50s. We never got any ice. The uh, Sandy Hook Bay, Barnica Bay, Raritan Bay never iced over at all. In fact, we didn't even get any snow here all winter here along the Jersey Shore, at least this part of the Jersey Shore, northern part of the Jersey Shore around Sandy Hook Bay. We never got really any snow. So that's amazing to go through a whole winter and not get any ice and not get any snow. That's incredible. So what does the future hold for a fish that loves cold weather? In a non-cold weather place? Well, according to the classic, and I know you have a copy of this book, Samantha. According to the classic ethologist book, Fisheries of the Gulf of Maine, edited by Bruce B. Colette, uh, third edition, 2002, winter flounder can, be, can, for short periods of time, avoid warm water conditions by burying themselves in sand at the bottom of the bay. However, however, if warm water conditions persist and the fish are unable to swim away from warm, shallow, enclosed bays, they can perish by the thousands during spells of very hot summer weather, as happened in Morchise Bay. Morch, am I pronouncing that correctly? You lived in Long Island, didn't you? You're from New York. I got no idea on that one. Morch's Bay, Long Island, in 1917, that was the year I was born, when temperatures rose to about 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So is there a future for a beloved flatfish that loves cold water and ever-warming world? I sure hope so, because winter flounder are amazing fish. Check this out. Winter, Winter flounder, like any other flounder or flatfish, has eyes that move or migrate when they're young. Check this out. When flounder are born, they look like any other fish. But then over a couple weeks, the eye migrates, the whole body changes, and the eye, eyes migrate to go to one side of the fish. It becomes, an, it becomes an entire flat fish. That is amazing. When they first hatch, winter flounder are like most other fish with an eye on both sides of the head. However, as they develop, the left eye will migrate across the top of its head to the right side of its head. The fish then lays flat on the seafloor and will have both eyes facing upwards. Since both eyes are on the right side of the body, the winter flounder is called the right eye flatfish, as opposed to the summer flounder, which is left eye. So, you know, you can tell that way. But again, that's confusing. Always look at the mouth. The mouth is the best part. In five to six weeks, a little flounder settled at the bottom of the estuary to begin a metamorphosis. After a few weeks, their left eye will migrate to the right side of their body, completing the transformation into a juvenile flounder or a true flat fish. The eyes literally get pushed over to one side. How many people have ever been, like, punched in the face here? Like on purpose or? Yeah. <laughs> Never. No. <laughs> <laughs> it almost, I was thinking it would almost feel like that, like you're getting punched in the face in a way. I don't know. I don't know what sounds worse, like the eyeballs moving or puberty. I don't know, that must sound like terrible. You know, almost when you think about this, you know, as adults, 
or I shouldn't say adults, but when like human children are starting to get pimples on their face, that is around the same time that the winter flounder <laughs> is the whole face is changing and the eyes are migrating. I think I'd rather be a flounder. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who, who, who wants to get pimples? Not me. So why do they do this crazy thing? Why do their eyes all migrate and stuff? Why do they go through this metamorphosis? It's just crazy. It's got to be painful or something. I'm sure it's not fun. Winter flounder ambush predators. So they have evolved and modified and lived their life on the bottom of the ocean or bottom of the bay. Flounders will often live or lie in wait to feed on shrimps, amphipods, sandworms, small clams, and smaller fish. One of the winter flounder's favorite foods are the siphon tip of hard clams. When they find a hard clam, so what happens with the hard clams? This little little straw thing pops out of the sand, and sometimes it's really long and the fishermen have told me I don't know if this is true but when the winter flounder finds these little siphons from the hard clam they love eating them and they'll just they'll try to pull it out of the sand eat all of it and they sometimes get wrapped around in that siphon isn't that an incredible sight how come National Geographic doesn't show me that on their channel I get like David Attenborough, if you're yeah. watching, this is some good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I know, really. Fish, more winter I, uh, yeah, <laughs> they gotta show me videos of that. That would be so cool to see whole winter flounders wrapped around the siphon <laughs> of a hard clam. So they lie in wait. They like to uh, hang out at the bottom, and winter flounder generally feed during the day as they depend on sight to locate prey. Their diet of winter flounder is typical of a fish that is benthic or lives along the bottom, but their small mouths limit what they can eat. So again, they have a small mouth. They sit at the bottom of the bay or ocean, sit there quiet, and wait for prey to swim near them, and then pow! They just pounce on them and swallow them up. So they are ambush predators by and large until those tasty little um, siphons for the hard clams come in sight and then they'll go and try to eat them. So do you know winter flounders are masters of camouflage? Winter flounders. I really, that's true for most flatfish. They are masters of camouflage and uh, they can disguise themselves. Not quite as good as like say octopuses or cuttlefish or squids, those guys can really change their colors and really blend in really, really well, right? You've seen that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But winter flounder, they're not as good as those guys, but they can change from light to dark depending on their environment to ambush prey and escape predators. But how does a smallmouth flatfish survive in cold water, sometimes well below 32 degrees? No joke, ladies. No joke. The fish seems to manufacture its own antifreeze. What? Yeah. What? Isn't that crazy? Wouldn't that be cool if we could manufacture our own antifreeze? Wouldn't that be cool if our blood actually turned into antifreeze and then we could just walk around naked and not wear any clothes at all? Wouldn't yeah. that be totally awesome? I'm going, <laughs> I'm going skiing next weekend. <laughs> I'm going to make my own antifreeze and you see me on the slopes buck naked. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a headline. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> Anyway, species of winter flounder have evolved in a remarkable way to tolerate the often frosty and frigid waters of eastern Canada, New England, and the Mid-Atlantic. Scientists Christopher B. Marshall and others in a 2005 article in the Journal of Biological Chemistry found that the fish have adapted to their cold water environments due to the presence of antifreeze proteins, type 1 AFP, and other hyperactive antifreeze proteins in the plasma and bloodstream that are rich with amino acids greater than 60%. These special proteins are capable of making a freeze-resistant fish. 
So think about this, you know, when people freeze to death, you know, one thing that happens is they get ice crystals in their blood and those ice crystals really do damage to our, to our organs and to our bloodstream and things like that, to the veins, right? Because ice crystals are sharp. And so this little antifreeze in the fish actually makes the ice crystals round. So it doesn't do any damage to the fish's body. Isn't that amazing? The acids bind to ice crystals to prevent the growth of pointed shapes in the bloodstream that can cause damage to internal organs, cells, and blood vessels. We can't do that in our bodies, and so we have to be careful. This is why we bundled up in the wintertime so we don't freeze to death, and these ice crystals do damage to our systems. It's crazy. With cells and bodies composed mostly of water, the formation of ice crystals in the blood can lead to irreversible damage to internal tissues. Unique chemical properties within the flat, egg-shaped body of a winter flounder help to make ice crystals grow in a more favored, curved, or round shape. And the combination of these acidic proteins works so well that winter flounder are able to survive in waters at 28.4 degrees, 28.4 degrees Fahrenheit. The freezing point of seawater. They could actually survive in the freezing, chilly waters here along the Jersey Shore. It's incredible, right? Yeah, that is incredible. And this, this evolution, innovation, is not only found in winter flounder, but in other fish that swim in cold water environments, including the Antarctic toothfish and the Arctic cod. Some other wintering insects, such as beetles, have additionally evolved with antifreeze genes to survive cold and snow. However, not primates, not mammals. At least not yet. Maybe someday we will. Here's a good question for you. Here's a good cocktail question. Can when next time you're at a cocktail party, you can ask this question when you like want to pick up, you know, somebody pretty. Um, can fish smell? Can fish smell? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? I think yes. I guess. So yes, they can. It's true. So um, fish in general, if you think about like um, trout or salmon, right? They could smell those streams and go back to those streams to lay their eggs. They return there to spawn. And so the same almost is true for winter flounder. Winter, now, I should point out that fish, when they do smell, they don't have like the same you know, system as humans do because fish have gills, obviously, and their gills are taking in water all their... Well, I should say their mouth is taking in water, and the gills are separating the oxygen molecules from the carbon and releasing the carbon, and that's how fish breathe. But fish do smell. They do have nostrils, and those nostrils are sending information to the brain. And so fish are able to smell chemicals into the water, or in the water, and able to follow those chemicals to areas where maybe they uh, were spawning before. And that's one way fish can return to the spawning areas. Same is almost true for winter flounder. Spawning for winter flounder typically takes place in near shore waters from winter to spring, with adults often returning to the same areas where they were born to spawn. Some thinking that maybe they could they smell these areas. Though I would think that smelling New York Harbor or Barnicket Bay might be a little, I don't know, probably not a very nice smell. I don't know, that's just me. Maybe it is a very nice smell. Maybe it smells like lemons and peaches. I don't know. <laughs> but females produce between 500,000 to 1.5 million eggs, which is the deposit on sandy or muddy bottoms and algae mats at night. I, I know that Sandy Hook Bay is a really good area for juvenile winter flounder. Used to, at least it used to be. When I used to go sanding back in the day, back in the 1940s, it was uh, a really, a really good area. 
for a juvenile winter flounder. I don't know what it is nowadays. I don't know what you kids are finding in those nets nowadays, but uh, it used to be really good. Nursery habitat for winter flounder larvae and juveniles is typical saltwater coves, protected abatements like St. Hook Bay within the upper reaches of an estuary in early spring, although larvae and juveniles have also been found in open ocean or open, open ocean areas as George's Bank, as we talked about before at Nantucket Shoals, and moving into lower estuary later in the season. A single winter flounder can live up to 18 years, growing as big as 25 inches and weighing up to 8 pounds, though 1 to 3 pounds are more typical, and many factors influence larvae and juvenile growth and survival, including temperature, salinity, dissolved oxygen, food availability, uh, and they love to eat small shrimps and zooplankton. So all these things can be contributing to the demise of the winter flounder. Large fish, including striped bass, bluefish, summer flounder, and winter skates prey on ju- uh, juvenile winter flounder. Atlantic cod, spiny dogfish, monkfish, bluefin tuna, ospreys, and seals prey on the adults. In fact, a couple years ago, I was looking at seals in Sandy Bay and uh, pups one seal with a nice-sized winter flounder that it was munching on. So they're out there and seals do like to feed on them if they can find them keep in mind that the winter flounder does blend in really well with their bottoms uh, bottom of the bay they can camouflage themselves really really well so this is the problem as waters get warmer more predators can be found year-round to feed not only on the adults but the juveniles and you know okay let's let's face this so um one reason that the winter flounder used to prosper so well is because when the adults laid their eggs, there wasn't many predators around to feed on them because the waters were so cold, right? Striped bass and bluefish, both of those like water temperatures that are above 50 or 55 degrees, especially bluefish. Bluefish is really more of a tropical fish. And so they like waters above 55 degrees, but now waters are getting warmer. Like we didn't really have a winter at all this year. And so waters are warmer. And so now predators are staying close by and they might actually be in the water more. We don't really know. And so you could have like, you could have straight bass, bluefish, summer flounder, skates swimming all around in the water and, and eating up juvenile, not only the adults, but juvenile winter flounder as well too. So all this could be having an impact. Juvenile winter flounder can be found in bays and estuaries and who knows what else could be swimming in bays and estuaries when the water is getting really, really warm. And adults, they could be found in the summer either on the continental shelf or in some cases right along the Jersey Shore. Fishermen sometimes catch them uh, right along on the ocean side along the Jersey Shore. So you can find winter flounder not just in the winter, but practically all year long. And according to the Environmental Protection Agency website, sea surface temperatures increased during the 20th century and continues to rise. From 1901 through 2015, temperatures rose an average rate of 0.13 degrees Fahrenheit per decade, and sea surface temperatures have been constantly higher during the past three decades than at any other time since reliable observations began in the 1880s. And based on the historical record, increase in sea surface temperatures have largely occurred over two key, two key periods between 1910 and 1940 and from the 1970s to the present. Sea surface temperatures are rising, ladies and gentlemen, and that very well could be having an impact on our winter flounder population along the Jersey Shore. Everything is connected, and as the planet is warming, is there a future for a beloved flatfish that loves cold water in an ever-warming world? Will winter flounder be found along the Jersey Shore in the next 20, 30, 40, or 50 years? 
I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. We need to do something about global warming and water pollution if we're going to truly save winter flounder. And I don't know about you, but we love winter flounder at Save Coastal Wildlife, and we hope you do too. Thanks to everyone out there who took some time out of their busy life to listen to our podcast. We're so grateful that you did. And I'm joined tonight by my really two great friends. I'm Samantha. I'm Seema. And I'm Joe Reynolds, Executive Director of Safe Coastal Wildlife, an environmental nonprofit dedicated to educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. You can find out more about Safe Coastal Wildlife at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. That's www.savecoastalwildlife.org. Once again, thank you, Samantha. Thank you, Seema. I appreciate it very much for your time tonight. Love you both. And until next time, farewell from the world-famous Jersey Shore. And remember to be kind not only to people, but to animals as well. And now, boys and girls, it's time for your sing-along. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sailing in the bay, what will we find today? Protect and preserve.